Every Sunday we gather to make much of Jesus through the preaching of God's Word, worship, and fellowship together. We would love for you to come join us. We have two services, one at 8.30 and one at 11, and Bible study for all ages at 9.45. We hope you will grow in your affection for Jesus with today's message. Thanks for listening. Open your Bibles to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Matthew chapter 28, familiar passage of Scripture as we end our series today on what in the world is happening here. Here is not the church. This building here is our culture. We began by laying a foundation and saying that Jesus and the gospel are offensive. And they are offensive for at least three reasons. The first is that the Bible says in the very first chapter, the very first verse, in the beginning God. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Therefore, because God is creator, God has the right, the authority to tell us what to do. And that in and of itself is offensive to many in our culture. The second reason that Jesus and the gospel are offensive is that the Bible tells us we are sinners. Our, our nature is a sin nature. We are not just folks who occasionally do something we shouldn't do. We are sinners by nature in desperate need of a Savior. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Scripture tells us. And there are many in our culture who find that offensive. They would be willing to acknowledge a mistake here or there. But to say, I have a sin nature and I am in need of a Savior is offensive to many. And then the third reason that Jesus and the gospel are offensive is that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And there are many in our culture who find that to be offensive they might be willing to say Jesus is a way, and if that floats your boat, then follow Jesus. But there are many ways to God. But Jesus said, I am the only way. And so he was either speaking the truth or he wasn't. And we know he was speaking the truth. He is the only way. In this, With this context, then, we have talked about the death of the innocents, the disappearance of the innocents, abortion. We've talked about right religion in our culture to the least of these. We have talked about modern-day slavery, human trafficking. We have talked about purity versus sexual immorality in all of its forms. We have talked about celebrating marriage, one man, one woman, freely and totally committed to one another for life. We have talked about the tragedy of transgenderism. We have talked about racism, its destructive reality. We have talked about those who reside among us, immigration, both legal and illegal. And we have talked last time about religious liberty. And in order to keep myself on track, I've been bringing a notebook to the pulpit one more time. Today, completing the task to which we are called. In light of what is happening here, we are reminded that Jesus gave us a task and it is extremely important. You know it's important. 
You know it's important because of what the Bible says. You know it's important because the Holy Spirit is in your heart. And as you look at our culture, you know it is important. We must reach people here and around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us a task. That task is not to elect certain people to office, although, granted, that is important. And we are blessed to live in a republic so we can help determine our leadership. But that isn't a specific biblical task given to us. The specific task is found in our Scripture this morning. So I want you to stand. We're going to read from Matthew 28. Then we're going to read from John 20. And then from Luke 24, and uh, if you prefer to look at the screen rather than turn through your scripture, that's fine. But we will be in John 20 and Luke 24 after Matthew. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, anybody could say those words, but you do realize the one who said them, is the just risen Son of God, one who arose from the dead and clearly demonstrates His power and authority over both life and death. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Then John the 20th chapter, the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 23. John 20, beginning with verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That Those verses mean as you proclaim the gospel, people will have the opportunity to, to commit their lives to Christ, to become Christ followers. Then Luke chapter 24. And after that, you may be seated. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. 24, 44 of Luke. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You may be seated. So what I'm going to say this morning from these texts, three things. We are going, we are sent, we are going, we are sent. We have something to say. Be sad to be sent and have nothing to say. But we are sent, we're going, and we have something to say. And thirdly, we have power, power from above. It'd be sad to be sent and have something to say, but not have the power to say it. 
We have all three. Now, first of all, this morning, we'll think about as we are, as we are going. I heard a story several years ago about a man who was driving his car down one of the interstates in the area outside Los Angeles. A significant earthquake rolled through in the middle of the night as he was traveling, and so the man pulled his car to the side of the road and he waited it out. The earthquake was pretty severe, but it didn't last too long. It was over in, a, in a, really a few seconds. And so the man pulled his car back on the road and very soon came to a bridge over a river. About halfway across the bridge, he noticed the taillights of the car in front of him had disappeared. He stopped his car, got out, and realized that a section of the bridge had fallen out during the earthquake. The car in front of him had driven into the chasm at full speed, plunging nearly 75 feet into the water below. The man turned around and saw that there were several more cars headed toward the break, and he began to wave his arms frantically. People driving across a bridge of Los Angeles at 3 a.m. are not likely to stop for what looks like a crazy person on the side of the road. So as he watched, four more cars past him, plunging to their deaths below. He then saw a large bus coming toward the break. He made up his mind that if that bus was going off the bridge, it had to take him with it. So he stood in the middle of the road and waved his arms. The bus honked as it slowed down, flashed its lights, but the man would not move. Finally, the bus ground to a halt. The bus driver got out, saw the danger, got back on his bus and angled it so no more cars could pass and plunge off the bridge. Now, what would you have done if you had been the one to discover the break in the bridge? Knowing you, I believe you probably would have done the same thing that that man did. You would have passionately pled for people to stop. People in the world who do not know Jesus Christ are headed for a destruction that is far worse than any bridge collapse. Millions are headed in that direction right now. Every day we should think about Christ and what He gave for us that we might not perish. Then we should ask God to help us tell others before it's too late. So first of all, this morning, we are going. Literally, Jesus said, as you're on the way, make disciples. We are going. And John, in his gospel, was very clear about what Jesus said. We are sent. Jesus was also sent. What Jesus said to the disciples applies to the church today as it has for 21 centuries. So we are sent and we are sending. That makes sense? First Baptist Belton is sent. First Baptist Belton is sending. We have a mission that is missions. Who are we? We are a missionary-minded people. We send. And the purpose of the send 
is to proclaim the kingdom of God in this world, to proclaim God's redemptive purpose in Jesus, or very simply, just to tell other people about Jesus. It's our mission. Are you a missionary? Are you one sent? Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great Baptist British preacher, said, Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Only Spurgeon could have said it that way. So yes, you and I are missionaries. Every child of God is a missionary, but let's not dilute the term. It also specifically applies to those called of God and sent to the world, crossing borders, entering different cultures, learning different languages, in order to proclaim Christ to the world. So don't dilute the term. Missionaries are those called to go and stay. But also don't underestimate the importance and the impact of those called to go short-term, as many of you in our church have done and continue to do. Jason Gish and Bri Ewan just recently returned from South Asia as we continue to reach the Sega with the good news of Jesus Christ, our unengaged, unreached people group. I went with Bri to South Asia just a few years ago, and he has gone back several times since we went together. I can't look at Jason and Bri without thinking missionary, sent. I can't look at Steve and Barbara Springer, Mel and Susie Plunk, Jim and Margie Watson, Al and Belinda Jordan, Glenn and Catherine Smith, Kevin and Leslie Brown, Matt and Veronica Dotson, Bill and Adele Lambert, Mark and Wendy Fitzwater, and Lloyd Nielsen without thinking of the term missionary. They are those in our church, among perhaps others, who have gone and stayed in another place, in another culture, to share the good news of Jesus Christ long term. They answered the call of God to go and stay. Cultural change. Perhaps learning another language. But at the same time, we are all missionaries. We are all missionaries in the sense that we are all sent. God sends. We are sent. Like Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. Send me. Our context may vary widely, but we are all sent. The Springer's context was the Ivory Coast and then France. So their context is not Belton High School, Belton Independent School District. But we have a multitude of faculty, staff, and students whose context is the Belton Independent School District. Mel and Susie Plunk's context wasn't Fort Hood. It was Spanish countries, Spanish-speaking countries, Argentina, Costa Rica, Colombia, Dominican Republic. But we have soldiers and their families and civilian employees who work at Fort Hood, and their context is Fort Hood. Your context may not be the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor, but we have faculty, staff, and students whose context is the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. We all have our context, and from Genesis To Malachi, God is sender. 
In the New Testament in John 20, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. We are ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, Paul said, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are sent to our context, your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, your family. The other day, uh, Wednesday, I was at Scott and & White, and one of our members was having surgery, and the f- many family and friends were there, and they'd gathered, kind of taken over one section of the waiting room. So I went in and visited and, and was going to lead them in prayer. And so I was introducing myself to people I didn't know, family members and friends that I didn't know. And, and I came to one lady who was seated with them, and I put out my hand and introduced myself. And I said, are, are you related to the person having having the surgery? And she said, oh, no, this is just where I'm sitting, but I know who you are. <laughs> I wanted to say, and? <laughs> but I didn't. But it is a reminder, it is a reminder, you identify with Christ, people know it, people know it. And so we are a sent people, sent by the one who was sent by the Father. We're sent to Bell County, and we engage in the Helping Hands Food Pantry and Family Promise and, and, and jail and jail ministry and hope for the hungry and body of Christ community clinic and project apple tree and project angel tree and planned and organized ministries and casual and relational moments. We engage with others by our lives, by our voices and by our deeds to Texas, to the United States. We planted churches. We'll continue to do that to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission, we read it in Matthew 28, compare the situation in A.D. 33 to the situation in 2019. When Jesus said, go to all the world, how are they going to get there? By a very slow boat or by walking a very long way. We are told, go into all the world, how will we get there? We can be there in just a few hours. We can instantly communicate in any number of ways. The world has changed dramatically since Jesus first said, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Friends, I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart, the Great Commission is doable. And it's doable now by our generation. And the nations are not only out there, but the nations have come here to Bell County, to Central Texas, In our own church, uh, these are just the countries I know about, but in our own church, we have folks who are either members or attenders from China and Taiwan and Mexico and Ukraine and, and Russia and Korea, and I'm sure I've missed a few. The nations have come here. So that leads to the second thing. We have something to say. We have something to say, don't we? Luke 24, Jesus was expounding on... Uh, on why he had come and what message they, the disciples, were to take to the world. And it's the gospel. Our focus is on Jesus, who he is, what he did, why he came. Tell what you know, church family. Just tell what you know. 
You know your story. You know about Jesus. You know your story of repentance, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. Tell what you know, and the Holy Spirit will take it from there. You're not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't do His job, and I don't need to. All I have to do is tell, and He takes it from there. We have the same message in South Asia that we have here. We have the same message in Moldova and in Haiti and in East Asia that we have here. We have the same message in Seattle and Iowa and Oklahoma as we have in Belton. We may verbalize it a little differently, but it is the same message and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that leads to the third thing. We have God's power. We have God's power. Jesus pronounced it in John 20. And then we also know that in Acts 1-8, Jesus said, or the, God, the Bible says, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The same one who said, all power has been given unto me. You'll have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit. I, I can't do this and neither can you. But by His might and by His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you really believe that? Or are they just words on a printed page? Do you really, I mean, it's cut deep. Do you really believe that? If so, why are we so often filled with doubt? Notice I said we, I didn't say you, I said we. Why are we so often filled with doubt? Do we really believe the words of Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit really in our hearts? If He is, and if what Jesus said is true, then we can do it because we have His power. So what do we do with all this? Let's conclude with what we do. First of all, pray. Most important thing that you and I can do is to pray. Pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon us and for the spread of the gospel from this place to the ends of the earth. Pray like you've never prayed before. If you need a little motivation to pray then reflect back upon some of the subject matter that we have covered in this series. What in the world is happening here? We need more people to be saved. That's what we need. So pray. Number two, give. Give. The challenge before you is to give like you've never given before. Um, give a Give a generous year-end gift to your church. I, I have been, like most of you, I've been inundated the last couple of weeks and will continue to be inundated till December 31st from every organization in the world that has my name asking for a generous donation a year in gift. And there may be a couple of those that my wife and I will consider prayerfully as we've done, as we've done before. But in the process of all of that, remember your church. 
with a generous year-end gift to Lottie Moon Christmas offering to Faithful God, Faithful Future, to the church budget. Remember, and I, I want to leave, I don't want to step on anybody's toes this morning, I want to leave you a challenge. As you consider year-end gifts, or as you consider giving all the time, leave giving to lost people of institutions that are not distinctively Christian. Lost people will take care of those. I'm not saying they do bad things. Many of them do great things, but let let lost people take care of that because the lost people are not going to send missionaries around the world. They're not going to give to Lonnie Moon. They're not going to give to our budget or Faithful God, Faithful Future or all the multitude of Christian organizations that are doing great work in our area. They're not going to do that. If it's going to happen, you and I have to do it. And so I encourage you to give. Then thirdly, go. Be willing to go. Be available to go. And and in essence, don't see that as saying the pastor wants me to go to Moldova. Oh, that'd be wonderful if you could. But when I'm saying go, it's keep going like you're doing now. As you are on the way, as you are going, make disciples. Then number four, support those who do go. If you can't go and some reach a point in age and health that can't go anymore, but you are able to give to those who do go as they make themselves available but perhaps lack the total resources. Remember, um, when people go around the world on, on the mission trips, they're not going on vacation. You're not subsidizing a trip to Disney World. You're subsidizing a trip by which people are carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. So support those who do go. And then lastly, celebrate. We have so much for which to be thankful. Celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. Celebrate what God is doing around the world. I know if you're like me, it's so easy to watch the news and get fixated and get, oh, oh. can I do it another way? Oh. But but wait a minute. Okay, yeah, all that stuff's going on, but there is a lot of incredibly positive things going on. I've said this before. I'll say it again, I'm sure, in the future. But but in, in our thought of reaching Muslim people with the good news of Jesus Christ, you, you've heard me say this. Our missionaries say it. People around the world, mission, mission demographers say it. More Muslims have come to Christ in the last 20 years than in the entirety of of the previous years of Islam. God is at work, and we have much to celebrate. So uh, that is an invitation to you. Tonight at 5.30 in our evening worship service, we have four mission groups who have not yet had a chance to report to us. They'll be reporting tonight at 4.30. Four of your fellow church members who have gone to the ends of the earth, and tonight they'll be reporting. So 5.30 right here, an invitation to you to come and celebrate. And that's got to be better than any football game or anything else that's on tonight. So come 5.30 and celebrate. J.D. Greer is currently the president of the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, a wonderful pastor. And so I want to share a story that he told as I close today. For two years, I served as a church planter in Southeast Asia. The last conversation I had there almost 10 years ago left an indelible mark on my life. An Islamic friend whom I will call Ahmed 
had come to say goodbye. He had been my best friend there. He befriended me at a very lonely time in my life. And for two years, we talked, traveled, studied, and fished together. I had tried a number of times to bring up Jesus to him, but Ahmed seemed eager to leave the subject alone. He was as committed a Muslim as I had ever met. He was kind of like an Islamic youth pastor, volunteering his afternoons to serve underprivileged kids and teenagers. When I would talk about Jesus, he would smile and say, You are a good man of faith. You were born in a Christian country, and you honor the faith of your parents. I was born in a Muslim country, and I honor the faith of mine. You were born a Christian, and you will die a Christian. I was born a Muslim, and I will die a Muslim. About a week before I left, I knew I had to have one more conversation with him, so I sat down and poured my heart out. I told him that, according to the Bible, only those who have believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins can enter the kingdom of God. For 15 minutes, he sat and listened politely. He then thanked me for my friendship and left. I did not see him again until the day I was preparing to return home. A few minutes before I was supposed to leave, he came to say goodbye. I could tell something was on his mind, so I asked him about it. Our conversation from a week ago, he said, after we talked, I thought about how much I appreciated you for telling me so directly what you believed. But then I didn't think much of it. He's a Christian, I'm a Muslim, I thought. That's how each of us was born. That's always how it will be. But seven days after our conversation, I had a dream. At first, I thought it was one of those dreams that comes when I eat spicy fish. But I've had those kinds of dreams before. This was different. In my dream, I was standing on earth, and suddenly open before my feet was the straight and narrow way leading to heaven. As I looked up along this pathway to heaven, he said, you were on it. You arrived at heaven's gates, but the way inside was blocked by huge brass doors. I thought to myself, that is where the journey ends. He has the power to, who has the power to open those doors? But then as I watched, someone from inside knew you and they called your name. The doors then swung open wide for you and you went in. And then my heart broke because I really wanted to go with you. But then the doors opened again. And you came back out and you walked down the path a little ways and you stretched out your hand to me down here on earth and you pulled me up to heaven with you. Do you think God is trying to tell me something? (laughs) Greer says I would have no problem interpreting this one. For the next hour, I walked him through Romans and Acts, showing him how Jesus, the God-man, had come to earth, lived as our substitute, died our death, rose again and offered salvation to all who would believe. What he said next is something I can never forget. Forget, He said, I know why Allah gave me that dream. He was telling me that you were sent here by God to show me the path that leads to heaven. You were to teach me God's ways and explain to me His Injil, which is the gospel. But today, my friend, you are going home and we will never see each other again. You are the only Christian I know who will teach me the way of God. I would love to tell you that he became a believer. Sadly, he did not. And to my knowledge, he has not. We live in a world of Ahmeds. They're not a number, they're individuals. Have you really thought what that means for us? We cannot pretend it's not true. Someone asked Charles Spurgeon once if he thought people who had never heard about Jesus could be saved. His response was, I don't believe they can be. But the better question is, how could those of us who have known Jesus and failed to take him to those who have not heard possibly be saved ourselves?
question to ponder. So my challenge to us today is let's finish the task to which we have been called. We can do it. We can do it. We are sent. We have something to say. And we have power. His power. So church, let's get on with it. Let's bow for prayer. In a moment, we will stand and Brother Gary will lead us in our song of invitation. There's someone here today who is included in that vast number who do not yet know Jesus. And yet, at this moment, the Spirit of the living God is speaking to you, drawing your heart, wooing you to the Savior. So in a moment when we stand, I invite you to leave your seat wherever you may be. Come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to open God's Word, to share with you, to pray with you. Then on this last Sunday in November of 2019, you can enter into a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. For the rest of us who've already made that decision, what is your part in completing the task to which we have been called? Whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit whispers to you, will you obey? Father, I pray we will. Whatever that may mean for me, whatever that may mean for every man and woman in this room, I pray that we will be obedient to you and that tomorrow as we are on the way, that we will be quick to share Jesus with others. Now may someone come to know you through your son this morning. In his name I pray, amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you just want to talk to somebody. We're here to listen. If you would like more information, visit our church website at www.fbcbelton.org. We're located at 506 North Main in Belton, Texas, and would love to see you soon.